You know, I, I love being uh, a pastor. Yeah, I really, I really, I, I love being the pastor of the church here because it brings me so many uh, unique opportunities. Um, I had one this past Monday. Um, about 11 o'clock, uh, Rick Lewis calls me. And uh, Rick and Kim, and I guess Corey and Ashley, and a friend of theirs, Rob, outside of Enon there, uh, they raised four cows together. And evidently, while they were, they were all gone this past weekend, the cows got out. And they ran away. And uh, they, they, they found them, but, you know, they're, they're quite a ways away. And it was calling to see if, if I could help to, to get the cows. So I called uh, the, the Brooks boys, the David and Josh, and to see if they would come out. And so I picked them up, and, and we, we head out finally. And there these cows are, these four cows out in this massive field. I think it was a, a hay field, but it's, it's kind of cut. It's, it's just a huge field. And so we spend the next two to three hours trying to corral them because they're some two miles away from where they need to be. And I don't know if you've ever tried to, to herd cows that are out in the opening and with, with no barriers, especially these cows. They've been out for at least a day, possibly even more. And so just their own nature, they are fighting it. Wherever you want them to go, they are going to go. They're not trusting you. Uh, they're just doggone ornery. And we are getting madder and madder out there at them. And then we have the outside elements that we were battling. I, did you know that Enon has a noon whistle? A siren that blasts at 12 o'clock. Because we've got these cows finally all calmed down. And we've got them starting letting them get calmed down. And suddenly... The siren goes off, and it's like 100 yards away from where we are, and it's ear-shattering, and there the cows go again. And so we're back to, you know, getting them corralled, and, and we, we needed to get them across the road, and we got traffic going, and we're fighting that. I took my four-wheeler out there, and, uh, you know, I thought, well, that'll help us, you know, to get out there and head them off, and I get it about way, way out, as far as you could out in the field, and it runs out of gas. I hadn't checked on it. I just brought it back from West Virginia, so I hadn't checked on it. And then finally, ultimately, you know, we, we get them kind of stopped there, and it starts to rain <laughs> on us. So uh, I, we, we raised cows for about 25 years, Martha and I, and uh, whenever I would go out to feed them grain, I would always call them by mooing. And, you know, meh, you know, and these. And I, I kind of thought myself kind of being the cow whisperer, you know, that the cows have come and, you know, thinking that they're going to, no, they were just, they were really coming just for the grain. But literally, I'm, I'm out there and we've got these cows and they're not going. And I start mooing to them, thinking that, you know, I'm going to be able to somehow communicate to them, get them where they want to go. And uh, ultimately, I just wish I could have been, become a cow, you know, earn their trust and, and, and lead them home because they weren't happy out there. They needed to get back, you know, in, in, in the safety and uh, I, without any intention, uh, that gave me the perfect lead-in to what we're going to talk about today. Because in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, some of my favorite verses that we have during Christmas, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God became man. 
God stepped out of heaven and took on flesh and blood to live amongst us, to close the gap between you know, heaven and the earth, and between man and, and, and the divine. And he came down here and he earned our trust. He proved who he was. He died for our sins. Then he resurrected to give us new life. Verses we looked at last week, and they came to my mind again, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. says, who although he exists in the form of God, speaking about Jesus here, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Think about that. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Heaven came down to earth to lead earth in a way to get to heaven. And that is our great Christmas celebration. That is the message that we as believers, we come together this month and, and, and there are so many reminders that that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this time of year, we celebrate this great event. I mean, it's something to celebrate, isn't it? God coming to earth as a man. We celebrate the birth of, of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But I was thinking about, you know, all our celebrations and things that we do. And, and I, think, I think it'd be safe to say this time of year, we celebrate what happened. I mean, what God did. What, what happened. And we have all these reminders around us, you know, Joseph and Mary and, and shepherds and, and angels and a star and wise men, all these great reminders. And we celebrate what happened some 2,000 years ago. Well, this morning, I don't want to talk to you about what happened. I want to talk to you about why it happened. Why did Jesus come to earth to become a human baby? And to look at that, to look at the why, it is so neat in, in, in the character of God. We, we, have been, we have been looking at the names of God over the last, oh, three or four weeks here. And we're going to go back to one of the many names of God that represents his character and his nature. Remember that it wasn't just a name, but it, it always was a reflection of something about God you know, of, of who he was, and, you know, not just what he does, but who he was. And this morning, we're going to look at the Hebrew name Jehovah Makedesh. Jehovah Makedesh. It means the Lord who sanctifies. The Lord who sanctifies. Sanctify means to cleanse. He's the Lord that cleanses us. He is the Lord that, that purifies us. Another word that, uh, that's used throughout the Bible is holiness, Describing God's sanctification, holiness. They all kind of go hand in hand. This is the character of God. He is the Lord who sanctifies. It isn't just something that he did for us. It is who he is. That is his, his nature to sanctify. And the very first use of this title, Jehovah Mekadesh, uh, it, it's powerful. And it kind of lays the foundation for us understanding the why of God. 
you know, why he would come down to earth, why Jesus Christ came and was born, you know, in a manger. So the first use you have of this title for God, this name of God, is in Leviticus chapter 20. Now, let me just give you a little backstory here, you know, to help us understand what's happening here. In Leviticus, um, you find that's the book where, where God's people are out in the wilderness. If you remember, for 430 years, they have been in captivity to the Egyptians. And after 430 years, God, in his timing, sends them a deliverer, Moses. So Moses comes, and again, I'm just giving you the, you know, skipping along the, the top of the story here. Moses is sent to, back to Egypt, tells the Pharaoh to let God's people go. And he doesn't, and, and there's, there's ten plagues that come to, to help in, you know, change the Pharaoh's mind. Finally, the last plague is, is the angel of death and the Passover. And so ultimately, the Pharaoh, the Egyptians, allow those that were in captivity to be released. They go up to the Red Sea, and we know the story, the Red Sea parts, and, and they cross on dry ground. And then they're wandering in the wilderness for a long time, heading to the promised land. They're heading to the land of Canaan. But in Leviticus chapter 20, at this point in, in the story, which they are out in the wilderness, there's a problem here. Because years of, of, of Egyptian bondage has separated God's people from understanding and knowing their call to be God's people of what it means to be God's people. What does it look like? What, you know, what, what does it mean to say, I am a child of God? I mean, God was not delivering Israel from the bondage of Egypt just so they could live into a different type of bondage in Canaan. So God knew they were heading into a land of plenty, a land of temptation. There were going to be Canaanites and Hittites and Jebusites and, and Amorites, all different people living there. And God knew that when they reached the promised land, they would be surrounded by people that were different. They talked different. They believed different. They lived according to, to a, a totally different standards. And God didn't want his people to become the world's people. He wanted them to be different. He wanted them to be sanctified. He wanted them to be holy, to be set apart unto him. And so he begins to teach his people about what it means to be a child of God. What it means to be different. You know, to be separate. And he says in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 and 8, it says this. You shall consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. There it is, folks. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am Jehovah Makedesh. God is holy. God is set apart and is called to us to save us, to call out a people unto himself, to, to call out the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. His call to us is to be holy as well, just like God is holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be to be different than the world around us. But the problem is, we cannot be holy on our own. We don't have the strength. We don't have the willpower. I mean, we can't just, you know, determine we're going to do this. That's why we need Jehovah Makedesh. We need the Lord who does the sanctifying. 
We need God, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross to sanctify us. He paid the penalty for our sins. You know, he is Jehovah Makedesh. You know, that's the why he came to this earth. He came to sanctify us because we couldn't sanctify ourselves. Christmas is the time that Jesus came to mankind. That's the what. To sanctify us by paying the penalty for my sin, for your sin, that's the why. That's the why he came here. Now, there was a little girl walking on her way home from church with her mother, and as she got, you know, partway home, she looks up at her mother, and she asks the question. He said, Mommy, he said, the preacher said that God is bigger than us. Is that true? And the wife said, well, yes, honey, that, that, that definitely is true. The girl thought for a minute. He said, well, the preacher also said, when you become a child of God, when you're a Christian, that God comes to live inside of you. Is that true? And she said, well, yeah, that, that's very true as well. Well, said the little girl, if God is bigger than us and God lives in us, shouldn't he be showing through? You see, that, that's exactly what God wants to do. If you're a Christian, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to show through. He wants to reveal himself to the world through his children, through his redeemed. You know, he, he did it through calling out a people in the Old Testament, the Israelites. And today he wants to do it through Christians. He wants to do it through the church of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He wants us to be holy, just like him, to be set apart. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glories and excellency. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, here it is, you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. He doesn't want us, he didn't save us, you know, captive to our sins. He didn't save us and redeem us just to be captive to another set of sins. He saved us to be different, to be called out so he could come take his residency within us and through us, people could see God, see what God is like, see the character, uh, the, the, the nature of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 says, Be like the Holy One who called you. Be yourself holy also in all your behavior. We're just supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be sanctified in our behavior. So a holy God within us, he wants to reveal himself to the world around us. But folks, he can't do that if we look like them, if we act like them, if we live like them, if we do the same things that they do. He can't do it. He can't show forth himself if we don't look and act and think and prioritize different than the world does. I mean, that's why Paul would tell us in Romans chapter 12. It says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but we're supposed to be transformed 
by the renewing of our minds, so that we may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. There's a renewing about being a Christian. You know, to not be conformed, but be a a transforming of our lives, that we might prove what God's will is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And Jehovah Makedesh is the one who sanctifies us. He is the Lord who sanctifies. That is his nature. And I want to tell you today, there is a false, there is a false brand of Christianity that is being peddled in churches all across our nation today that ignores the why of our faith. They ignore why Jesus came to this earth, why he died for our sins, why he calls out his children. You see, true faith, true Christian faith, you cannot accept, you cannot embrace the what's without accepting and embracing the why's. It's not enough to know. The devils, it says the the demons know. They believe. They know about Christ, the birth, and the angels, and the star in heaven, and the wise men. They know all those things. And yet, they're going to perish. It's not enough to just know what Jesus Christ said. You have to embrace the whys of what he did. And all through God's word, everything, everything God touches, all that surrounds him is holiness. Everything that surrounds God is is sanctified. I mean, the Bible is called the Holy Bible. He is called the Holy God. Remember Moses? When he stood upon the mountain, God says, you are standing upon holy ground. The Sabbath was called holy. The Israelites had a, had a temple, a tabernacle, and there was a place in that where a curtain was drawn, and God's presence dwelt behind that. And you know what that place was called? Yeah, the holiest of holies. God was there, the holiest of holies. The apostles, they are called holy. The prophets were called holy. Jesus was identified as the holy child. Salvation is marked by a, a believer, in a believer's life by receiving the Holy Spirit within us. In Jude chapter 20, it calls our, our belief, our faith, it says the most holy faith. We read the holy scriptures. Believers are called a holy priesthood. The church is a holy temple. Believers, we're supposed to lift up our holy hands to God. The city of Jerusalem, the final place, our eternity, our heaven, the new Jerusalem, is called a holy city. And all around the throne, what's happening? What's happening right now? All around the throne, they are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is surrounded, everything he touches. All that is part of him is holiness, it is sanctified. So here's the question I have for us today. Are the people inside the Holy Church, reading from the Holy Bible, talking about a holy God, claiming to have the Holy Spirit living within them, Are we even interested in being different, 
in being holy, in living sanctified lives? Do we even have that on our, our radar anymore? Because churches all around our nation are dropping that. You know, it's, it's about knowing God. You know, knowing the what's, not the why's, not, not embracing those. You know, if you look at Scripture, it's very clear that there are three dimensions of our holiness. There are three dimensions of our, our sanctification, and, and people call them different things, but, you know, for, for our sake, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to put these up on the board for you. First of all, there is positional sanctification. Positional thank, sanctification. In other words, a true believer today, when you get saved, when you genuinely ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, positionally, you are perfect. You are pure because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. The atonement means a covering. You know, when God the Father looks down on you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, a covering for your sins. So we have positional sanctification. But there's also something very obvious in the Bible. We would call it progressive sanctification. That every single day, if you are a Christian, every day, you know, we're to be coming more like Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be figuring that out. We're supposed to be working our, our salvation and what it means to be saved, to be a child of God. You know, as Romans says, renewing our minds, you know, being separated from the world. So progressively, every day I'm living in this, trying to become more like my Savior, Jesus Christ. And then one day, when a Christian dies, we have something called, I would call the permanent sanctification. That's going to be our glorification. You know, that's when we are going to know our position, and we are going to live it as a reality. Kind of interesting what 1 Corinthians 15 says. It says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So that's our permanent sanctification. That, that, that's how we're going to be living in glory. So today, today, if you are a Christian, you possess positional sanctification. If you truly have given your heart to Christ, accepted him as your Lord and Savior, accepted his shed up bl blood on the cross to forgive your sins, positionally, that, that is something that we have and we will not lose. But we have that, but we live today, every day we live in this, this progressive, you know, sanctification, you know, of, of, of learning what it means to be saved, of learning holiness, of, of falling, you know, and struggling in sin, and then repenting and being restored and, and growing and, and moving forward. You know, every day we have this call to let God show through your life and your actions and your attitudes, and that's how Christians, we live today. I love the verse, and we use it often, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the faith, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm crucified in Christ. I'm not living. God's living through me. Jesus is living through me. That is the call that it means to be a Christian. And that is the message that is missing in, in so many corners of Christianity today. But I don't want it to be missing here. We need 
to be holy because God is holy. He is our Jehovah Makeda. She is the, the Lord who sanctifies us, who gave his life, who paid a penalty that positionally made us perfect before God. And we are commanded to be holy. We are called to be holy. We just need to choose it. Are we still choosing today to be holy? Is that part of our faith? And this is where I want to focus as we kind of close out the service here. Is living a holy life still a desire for you if you bear the name of Jesus Christ? Is it your desire for you to next month, next year at this time, have more of a Christ-likeness? more of a holiness, you know, more of those rough edges, you know, given to the Lord and, and, and more victories in your life. Is, is this your desire to live, to be called out, to live different from the world and to bear that joyfully that we are called to be different? So what we're going to do here at the end of the service is I want everyone here to have a chance to think about this to meditate on it, to pray about it, to speak to God about this. You know, renew that desire, renew that commitment. And I thought, how, how can we do that? I know we close a lot of times, we ask you to pray or even quiet prayer. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes we need something, maybe even just a little more. Well, this morning we're going to be closing with our communion service. And we're going to be doing it a little bit different. So um, don't, don't get bogged down in the instructions that I'm giving you. It's for a purpose here. Um, communion is a remembrance of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what we remember. But we're also told in communion that we're supposed to remember the why. We are told that we're supposed to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. But if we judged ourselves rightly, it goes on to say in verse 31, we should not be judged. There's supposed to be this self-evaluation taking place in our life. And that's what we're going to do, and that's what I'm going to ask you to do. In just a few moments here, we're going to uh, we get things set up. We're going to get some music. We're going to be playing. I want you just in your seats. I want you to be praying. I want you to speak to your God. Speak, you, you, know, you know what's going on. He knows what's going on in your life what you need to do or recommit to or what area you need to re-give to him. He knows that. And I want to give you the time to, to do that business with God. And what I'm going to ask you to do is take the time to meditate, pray, confess, repent, restore, whatever is necessary. When you have done this, I'm going to be up here and Clay Cook is going to be up here with the, I will be up here uh, with the drink. And I want you to come up here and I want you to, get communion, the elements, and then t take them and, and go back and sit into your seat. And uh, then just wait. We're going to take it all together. But I don't want you to come up here until we've done what God commands us to do is to examine ourselves and to search our heart. Now, again, we, you know, we practice an open communion here, meaning if, if you are born again, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, if, if, if you are saved a child of his, we invite you to participate with us. But folks, if, if in your examination, if you find that you have a question whether or not you are truly saved, 
you know, you can repent right now. You can confess. You can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right now, you can do it. And when you do, if you do, then we invite you to come forward and to participate in the body and, and, and the blood of Jesus Christ. 